Section 13 of A Half Century of Conflict. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Half Century of Conflict by Francis Parkman. Chapter 8, Part 2. Vetch commanded the provincials, having been brought from Annapolis for that purpose. The great need was of pilots. Every sailor in New England who had seen the St. Lawrence had been pressed into the service, though each and all declared themselves incapable of conducting the fleet to Quebec. Several had no better knowledge of the river than they had picked up when serving as soldiers under Phipps twenty-one years before. The best among them was the veteran Captain Bonner, who afterwards amused his old age by making a plan of Boston greatly prized by connoisseurs in such matters. Vetch had studied the St. Lawrence in his several visits to Quebec, but like Bonner he had gone up the river only in sloops or other small craft, and was, moreover, no sailor. One of Walker's ships, the Chester, sent in advance to cruise in the Gulf, had captured a French vessel commanded by one Paradis, an experienced old voyager who knew the river well. He took a bribe of five hundred pistoles to act as pilot, but the fleet would perhaps have fared better if he had refused the money. He gave such dismal accounts of the Canadian winter that the admiral could see nothing but ruin ahead, even if he should safely reach his destination. His tribulation is recorded in his journal. That which now chiefly took up my thoughts was contriving how to secure the ships if we got up to Quebec, for the ice in the river freezing to the bottom would have utterly destroyed and bilged them as much as if they had been squeezed between rocks. These misgivings may serve to give the measure of his professional judgment. Afterwards, reflecting on the situation, he sees cause for gratitude in his own mishaps. Because, had we arrived safe at Quebec, our provisions would have been reduced to a very small proportion, not exceeding eight or nine weeks at short allowance, so that between ten and twelve thousand men must have been left to perish with the extremity of cold and hunger. I must confess the melancholy contemplation of this, had it happened, strikes me with horror, for how dismal must it have been to have beheld the seas and earth locked up by adamantine frosts and swollen with high mountains of snow in a barren and uncultivated region great numbers of brave men famishing with hunger and drawing lots who should die first to feed the rest all went well till the eighteenth of august when there was a strong head-wind and the ships ran into the bay of gaspe two days after the wind shifted to the southeast and they set sail again walker in his flagship the edgar being at or near the head of the fleet on the evening of the twenty-second they were at some distance above the great island of anticosti 
the river is here about seventy miles wide and no land had been seen since noon of the day before there was a strong east wind with fog walker thought that he was not far from the south shore when in fact he was at least fifty miles from it and more than half that distance north of his true course at eight in the evening the admiral signalled the fleet to bring two under mizzen and main topsails with heads turned southward at half past ten padden the captain of the edgar came to tell him that he saw land which he supposed must be the south shore on which walker in a fatal moment signalled for the ships to wear and bring to with heads northward he then turned into his berth and was falling asleep when a military officer captain goddard of seymour's regiment hastily entered and begged him to come on deck saying that there were breakers on all sides walker scornful of a landsman and annoyed at being disturbed answered impatiently and would not stir soon after goddard appeared again and implored him for heaven's sake to come up and see for himself or all would be lost at the same time the admiral heard a great noise and trampling on which he turned out of his berth put on his dressing-gown and slippers and going in this attire on deck found a scene of fright and confusion at first he could see nothing and shouted to the men to reassure them but just then the fog opened the moon shone out and the breaking surf was plainly visible to leeward the french pilot who at first could not be found now appeared on deck and declared to the astonishment of both the admiral and captain padden that they were off the north shore padden in his perplexity had ordered an anchor to be let go walker directed the cable to be cut and making all sail succeeded in beating to windward and gaining an offing the ship that carried colonel king of the artillery had a narrow escape king says that she anchored in a driving rain with a shoal of rocks on each quarter within a cable's length of us which we plainly perceived by the waves breaking over them in a very violent manner they were saved by a lull in the gale for if it had continued with the same violence he pursues our anchors could not have held and the wind and the vast seas which ran would have broke our ship into ten thousand pieces against the rock all night we heard nothing but ships firing and showing lights as in the utmost distress vetch who was on board the little frigate dispatch says that he was extremely uneasy at the course taken by walker on the night of the storm i told colonel dudley and captain perkins commander of the dispatch that i wondered what the flag meant by that course and why he did not steer west and west by south the dispatch kept well astern and so escaped the danger vetch heard through the fog guns firing signals of distress 
but three days passed before he knew how serious the disaster was the ships of war had all escaped but eight british transports one storeship and one sutler's sloop were dashed to pieces it was lamentable to hear the shrieks of the sinking drowning departing souls writes the new england commissary sheaf who was very near sharing their fate the disaster took place at and near a rocky island with adjacent reefs lying off the north shore and called isle aux oufs on the second day after it happened walker was told by the master of one of the wrecked transports that eight hundred and eighty-four soldiers had been lost and he gives this hasty estimate in his published journal though he says in his introduction to it that the total loss of officers soldiers and sailors was scarcely nine hundred according to a later and more trustworthy statement the loss of the troops was twenty-nine officers six hundred and seventy sergeants corporals drummers and private soldiers and thirty-five women attached to the regiments that is a total of seven hundred and forty lives the loss of the sailors is not given but it could scarcely have exceeded two hundred the fleet spent the next two days in standing to and fro between the northern and southern shores with the exception of some of the smaller vessels employed in bringing off the survivors from the rocks of Ile de Ous. The number thus saved was, according to Walker, 499. On the 25th he went on board the general's ship, the Windsor, and Hill and he resolved to call a council of war. In fact, Hill had already got his colonels together signals were made for the captains of the men-of-war to join them and the council began jack hill the man about town placed in high command by the influence of his sister the queen's tirewoman had now an opportunity to justify his appointment and prove his mettle many a man of pleasure and fashion when put to the proof has revealed the latent hero within him but hill was not one of them both he and walker seemed to look for nothing but a pretext for retreat and when manhood is conspicuously wanting in the leaders a council of war is rarely disposed to supply it the pilots were called in and examined and they all declared themselves imperfectly acquainted with the St. Lawrence, which, as some of the captains observed, they had done from the first. Sir William Phipps, with pilots still more ignorant, had safely carried his fleet to Quebec in 1690, as Walker must have known, for he had with him Phipps' journal of the voyage, the expedition had lost about a twelfth part of its soldiers and sailors besides the transports that carried them with this exception there was no reason for retreat which might not as well have been put forward when the fleet left boston 
all the warships were safe and the loss of men was not greater than might have happened in a single battle hill says that vetch when asked if he would pilot the fleet to quebec refused to undertake it but vetch himself gives his answers as follows i told him the admiral i was never bred to sea nor was it any part of my province but i would do my best by going ahead and showing them where the difficulty of the river was which i knew pretty well the naval captains however resolved that by reason of the ignorance of the pilots and the dangerous currents it was impossible to go up to quebec so discreditable a backing out from a great enterprise will hardly be found elsewhere in english annals on the next day vetch disappointed and indignant gave his mind freely to the admiral the late disaster cannot in my humble opinion be any ways imputed to the difficulty of the navigation but to the wrong course we steered which most unavoidably carried us upon the north shore who directed that course you best know and as our return without any further attempt would be a vast reflection upon the conduct of this affair so it would be of very fatal consequence to the interest of the crown and all the british colonies upon this continent his protest was fruitless the fleet retraced its course to the gulf and then steered for spanish river now the harbour of sydney in the island of cape breton the admiral consoling himself with the reflection that the wreck was a blessing in disguise and a merciful intervention of providence to save the expedition from the freezing starvation and cannibalism which his imagination had conjured up the frigate sapphire was sent to boston with news of the wreck and the retreat which was at once dispatched to nicholson who if he continued his movement on montreal would now be left to conquer canada alone his force consisted of about twenty three hundred men white and red and when the fatal news reached him he was encamped on wood creek ready to pass lake champlain captain butler a new york officer at the camp afterwards told calm the swedish naturalist that when nicholson heard what had happened he was beside himself with rage tore off his wig threw it on the ground and stamped upon it crying out roguery treachery when his fit was over he did all that was now left for him to do burned the wooden forts he had built marched back to albany and disbanded his army after leaving one hundred and fifty men to protect the frontier against scalping parties canada had been warned of the storm gathering against her early in august vaudreuil received letters from costabel at placentia telling him that english prisoners had reported mighty preparations at boston against quebec and that montreal was also to be attacked the colony was ill prepared for the emergency 
but no effort was spared to give the enemy a warm reception the militia were mustered indians called together troops held in readiness and defences strengthened the saints were invoked and the aid of heaven was implored by masses processions and penances as in new england by a dismal succession of fasts mother juchereau de saint denis tells us how devout canadians prayed for help from god and the most holy virgin since their glory was involved seeing that the true religion would quickly perish if the english should prevail the general alarm produced effects which though transient were thought highly commendable while they lasted the ladies according to mother juchereau gave up their ornaments and became more modest and more pious those of montreal pursues the worthy nun even outdid those of quebec for they bound themselves by oath to wear neither ribbons nor lace to keep their throats covered and to observe various holy practices for the space of a year the recluse of montreal mademoiselle lebert who by reasons of her morbid seclusion and ascetic life was accounted almost a saint made a flag embroidered with a prayer to the virgin to be borne against the heretical bands of nicholson when that commander withdrew his retreat though not the cause of it was quickly known at montreal and the forces gathered there went down to quebec to aid in repelling the more formidable attack by sea here all was suspense and expectancy till the middle of october when the report came that two large ships had been seen in the river below there was great excitement for they were supposed to be the van of the british fleet but alarm was soon turned to joy by the arrival of the ships which proved to be french on the nineteenth the sieur de la valterie who had come from labrador in september and had been sent down the river again by vaudreuil to watch for the english fleet appeared at quebec with tidings of joy he had descended the st lawrence in a canoe with two frenchmen and an indian till landing at isle aux oeufs on the first of october they met two french sailors or fishermen loaded with plunder and presently discovered the wrecks of seven english ships with as they declared fifteen or sixteen hundred dead bodies on the strand hard by besides dead horses sheep dogs and hens three or four hundred large iron-hooped casks a barrel of wine and a barrel and a keg of brandy cables anchors chains planks boards shovels picks mattocks and piles of old iron three feet high the least devout writes mother juchereau were touched by the grandeur of the miracle wrought in our behalf a marvellous effect of god's love for canada which of all these countries is the only one that professes the true religion quebec was not ungrateful 
a solemn mass was ordered every month during a year to be followed by the song of moses after the destruction of pharaoh and his host amazing reports were spread concerning the losses of the english about three thousand of these wretches so the story ran died after reaching land without counting the multitudes drowned in the attempt and even this did not satisfy divine justice for god blew up one of the ships by lightning during the storm vessels were sent to gather up the spoils of the wreck and they came back it was reported laden with marvellous treasures including rich clothing magnificent saddles plate silver-hilted swords and the like bringing also the gratifying announcement that though the autumn tides had swept away many corpses more than two thousand still lay on the rocks naked and in attitudes of despair these stories repeated by later writers find believers to this day when walker and his ships reached spanish river he called another council of war the question was whether having failed to take quebec they should try to take placentia and it was resolved that the short supply of provisions the impossibility of getting more from boston before the first of november and the risks of autumnal storms made the attempt impracticable accordingly the new england transports sailed homeward and the british fleet steered for the thames swift writes on the sixth of october in his journal to stella the news of mr hill's miscarriage in his expedition came to-day and i went to visit mrs masham and mrs hill his two sisters to condole with them a week after he mentions the arrival of the general himself and again on the sixteenth writes thus i was to see jack hill this morning who made that unfortunate expedition and there is still more misfortune for that ship which was admiral of his fleet the edgar is blown up in the thames by an accident and carelessness of some rogue who was going as they think to steal some gunpowder five hundred men are lost a report of this crowning disaster reached quebec and mother juchereau does not fail to improve it according to her the admiral stricken with divine justice and wrought to desperation blew up the ship himself and perished with all on board except only two men there was talk of an examination into the causes of the failure but nothing was done hill strong in the influence of mrs masham reaped new honours and offices walker more answerable for the result and less fortunate in court influence was removed from command and his name was stricken from the half-pay list he did not however blow himself up but left england and emigrated to south carolina whence thinking himself ill-treated by the authorities he removed to barbados and died some years later 
End of section 13